Have you ever been looking for an amazing queer cam performer? Well, I got you covered. You should check out TS Cami. Her super hot content is on Chatterbait, Twitter, Xhamster, and Reddit. Support this rad trans femme babe. Welcome to the Performers Pod. I'm Chelsea Poe, and today I'm here with camp performer and indie content creator Evie Frost. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Ah, hi, Chelsea. <laughs> it's so nice to finally talk to you. I feel like we've followed each other on social media for like my entire porn career. Yeah. I don't know how that really happened, but I feel like there's just um, your honesty around camming and on social media and just kind of the reality of it is really why I wanted to have you on. and. You know, there's not very many people whose main income is camming. So I just feel like that's a very unique position in the sex industry that we're in. Yeah, for sure. Yours too, right? Yeah, I've been, camming's been my main thing since literally I've been like 20. Wow. So yeah, that's yeah, about it's been a It's such a trip to have your entire 20s documented online. <laughs> it's very strange to have people like send you photos and be like, is that you from 10 years ago? And be like, yeah, it is. Yeah, and then you like look at how you did your makeup back then and it's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy to have all of that if you're 20s because I was living on a college campus when I started camming. Um, you did too? Mm-hmm. So you were like the one or two, like there's probably one other cam girl you knew at most probably at the time. I don't even think so because I went to school up in Maine. So oh, okay. it was a really small college and I think I was the only one. And then everybody found out and they were like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I was <laughs> like, well, this is what it is. So <laughs> was there like at least some sort of community like where I went to school? I went to school in Michigan yeah. and we had like people come in and show porn occasionally right. like we had Jiz Lee come in once and that's how I got into porn because yeah. I was just a cam girl on campus and I was like oh I should probably go to this what was this for a class or so I went to like the community college but all my friends were going to the main university it's called Grand Valley State it's outside of Grand Rapids and I failed a bunch of classes because I wasn't really caring about school so I was still living on a college campus, but I wasn't going there, but I was going to like all like the queer um, things and like all like the LGBT and trans groups. Mm-hmm. So through that, they're like, oh yeah, Jizzly's showing an orgy here on like Wednesday. Oh my God. So I was like, oh, okay, I should go do this. And then really? I, w- I went to the wrong school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you in like a big city? Were you in Portland or a smaller? No, it was uh, Farmington. So I mean, you can tell by the name. Yeah, I'm like rural. And yeah, so I was the only one. There was no, there was, I think the only really the closest, like the most queer adjacent thing that I could think of is like there was a furry group, but (laughs) (laughs) that was it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So are you from New England originally or did you just move up there for school? I'm from New Jersey and I did go up there to school. I'm lived in, you're in, you're from Oakland too, right? You you live there. Yeah, I lived there for about um like six years, something like that. I'm in the city now. Yeah. You're in New York City or oh no, San Francisco. 
Oh, that city. Yeah, the, the, the Bay Area version of the Bay city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I lived there and I lived in Burlington, Vermont for a while. And then I, I finished school in Pennsylvania. So I've been all around and I'm back in wow. New Jersey now. Yeah. So you've, now. Been cam- you've been camming through all of that? Yes. <laughs> wow. So your cam viewers have all the different backgrounds. And they're like, oh, where are you now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's another interesting part of it too, is like all, I can look back at um, like all my pirated content and I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) I lived there. And it's like a trip down memory lane before like I do the DMCA thing. (laughs) It's so weird to think about that stuff because like, again, I usually don't talk to people who've been doing camming as long as me. So to have that shared experience is really unique. Yeah, I completely agree. So what, what got you into camming? Like, what was your first cam session like? Oh my God. Uh, that's funny. So my, do you have the date for it? Do you know I the, date? the date? I wish I did. <laughs> I know like the general month and year it was. Um, I, but I was on Tumblr back when Tumblr. Oh, was yeah, yeah. And I saw Ash Marie all over Tumblr and I was like, wow. And <laughs> beautiful and I was like that looks like so much fun I bet I could do that I couldn't do that (laughs) (laughs) um and I I started on live jasmine I think oh my god are you kidding me me too really yeah that was my first campsite and it was for me it was bad I don't know about you horrible (laughs) they like docked off money like they took it was like the total penal system like if you didn't have hd photos they like took away money from Mm -hmm. you and Oh my God. Yeah, it was bad. And I had like DSL internet because I was up in Maine. So um, <laughs> yeah, just embarrassing. And then the next site that I was on was Streammate. Okay. So I'd only been on Live Jasmine like once or twice. So I don't really count that. And so yeah, Streammate was like December 2019, I want to say. And no, was it? That can't be. No, because then that would have only been three years. Hang on a second. Now I got to go. <laughs> I was in my undergrad. I graduated high school 2012. So it was like 2013. Yeah. December 2013. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started on Streamy and that was also terrible. Have you ever been on there? Oh, that's one of my main sites right now. I, I'm on a studio right now, which okay. takes care of a lot of stuff. And basically to go on the studio, I had to jack up my rates. So I'm like, the highest rate girl on the site now but it's fine it's like $15 a minute right now oh good yeah so even if someone like cancels after a minute you still got like 15 bucks exactly yeah so I for me it was different (laughs) I because that was back in like 2013 so I'm sure a lot's changed it's almost 10 years ago now I I just constantly got people that were like shit on the bed like I'll I'll give you five dollars if you shit all over your bed Oh my god, that's that's like a never-ending thing I can. These ridiculous requests for like, I want you to piss all over yourself, but I only have two dollars. It's I like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like you got to make it worth it at least for me to get a site ban because it's like if I first of all if I piss all over myself, I'm gonna get banned from the site. Secondly, someone's gonna record that and send it to my family, so it's like at least give me like ten thousand dollars <laughs> to do something like that. <laughs> I never so, 
so like what was your first few camp sessions like like when I started I had that amazing feeling of like oh my god I just made $20 up here in my bedroom yes so when I finally got to Chattervate which was in like January 2014 that would have been that's when I finally had had like that aha moment of oh I think I could do this um I still wasn't doing super well I only had like you know a couple hundred people in my room but um I made like $80 and I was like, I can buy groceries this week. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's like such a big deal when you first start making real money and you're like, Oh my God. I remember like the first like check I got, I think it was like for like $1,100 from just camming. I'm just like, wow. Oh my God, this is crazy. And they you sent know? you a check. Was this before? Yeah. That, Cause they didn't have direct deposit always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where I'd have to go to my bank like once every few weeks and be like, here, here's the check. Yeah. Oh my God. That must've been nerve wracking. Yeah. Well, no one knew in Michigan, like first off, no one like knew trans people existed at that time, which was kind of good in a way. So like no one would read you as trans and also like no one realized there was any amount of sex work going on. So like, there was just no, like no one would even suspect a thing. So it was pretty great. Cause there's that. And then there's also like the worry I remember being really afraid of my bank finding out what I was doing um was that a worry for you too I think it's more now yeah early on I think I was still very much in college party mode where it was like okay I'm gonna cam during the week and then I can go out and like party on the weekend and then like literally like it felt like a nine to five job to have to literally just like do the whole weekend thing until I moved out to California and really started taking porn more seriously. Yeah. And now you do all kinds of cool stuff. I see what you post on Twitter and you're beautiful. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Most of it's from pre-pandemic. I think I've been on only like three cents since the pandemic, but for you, like what has, has the pandemic shifted a lot of your camming? Like, has it improved it a lot? No. I mean, in the early state or early years of the pandemic it did but I feel like things have gotten a lot harder now um and I keep hearing that from a lot of people just that it's getting harder and harder to make money in this industry how has it been for you it's for a while it was down but honestly since switching to the new streammate thing and I just I think I've really streamlined what I can do camming wise where it's just like, okay, I know I can be there for an hour and a half at a time and actually Mm -hmm. pretend to give a shit. Where after that, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like I'm in front of a screen doing nothing after a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, I used to, because I used to cam almost eight hours a day sometimes when I first started. Oh my God. Yeah, I would go on twice a day in college. Um, five times a week and now oh my god I can barely do I can barely do three hours now I'm like I gotta go I can't do this (laughs) did you ever work in any like in-person cam studios where has always been your bedroom essentially it's always been my bedroom I don't think I would get along I don't even know where you would find that (laughs) I bet they have them like in the bay but everywhere not anymore there used to be was yeah what was that place called the armory yeah I worked there for nine months it's a fucking lot yeah um yeah that's why I ended up moving out to the bay I started doing kink live um and then they're like oh you can cam at the armory and make more money if you can here so 
I was like going into the city from Oakland, I think like four or five times a week for a porn job, which was really, really weird. Yeah. Well, is it weird or is it really fucking cool? That's like such a Bay Area thing, I feel like. (laughs) I think it's both because like you're always around that. Yeah. Also, I was like 21, 22 when I was doing that and they had free alcohol in the building and like yeah that'll do it <laughs> and then they own the bar next door and you got to drink for half off there I remember that so yeah. yeah so it's messy I mean did you ever were you ever involved in the kink life world or not so much no I just I went to I think I went to the armory a couple times like right before it closed down at least I had been to the bar next door but yeah I wasn't yeah I wasn't really in the kink live community it's just always been camming and then like I do I used to do the expos and stuff I think the last one I did was AVN in god 2020 was it yeah yeah so you went to the last one yeah were you also at the chatterbait booth for that yes oh I don't know how we didn't actually meet in person then that's so random I was only there for like two days so maybe that's why Yeah, I kind of did the same thing where I'm like, I want to limit myself this year. I just felt like it was going to be too intense. I COVID wasn't even on my mind at all at that point. It wasn't on anyone's mind yet. I felt like a nut job because I was like, hey, have you guys heard about that virus? And they were like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird that to experience the industry right before everything changed so much. And just that that was really the last true like mass gathering I guess there has been like the AV I mean expos thing that happened but I don't know it just feels so different from that space like that whole venue was so crowded and it was like just packed of people and now we just don't have things like that yeah and I feel like the motivation to go to those things has just really shifted like I just have no desire to go anymore yeah I feel like just looking at these industry conventions that there's COVID outbreaks where it's like, even if I'm nominated for something this year, I'm like, I don't think it's really worth it to possibly get COVID. Or even with that, it's like, I'm literally just going to do one thing and not do anything else. Especially with just how many, how much trade happens there and how many people are always shooting. And even on a normal year, I feel like there's a flu going around or something. So yeah, they what they call it the AVN flu or something like that. Yeah, everyone would get. I got really sick too last year, or not last year, the last AVN, and um, I thought it was COVID, but it wasn't. It was just whatever everyone had. Oh, you you got that one? Yeah. yeah, I I think there were at least like two people in my hotel room who got it. So oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what are kind of your feelings now about camming? Because obviously, we both started when it was. I started in 2011, you started in 2013, right? When it was still pretty uncommon where you didn't run into another cam girl. You probably didn't know another cam girl. Like now that it's kind of more mainstream and there's kind of everyone has tried camming, it feels like. Yeah. How does that feel? Because for me, it feels like in one way, it's great that people can now point to all these people they know that do sex work. But in another way, it feels very strange because it feels like there's so much invisibility and then it was almost like a light switch that it's a more mainstream thing. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it because like, I yeah, I agree with you. And OnlyFans too, you know, it's like that has really 
destigmatized a lot of what we do at the same time. I feel like when it comes to my personal and professional and romantic relationships, there is still a lot of, it's like people accept it as something that people do, but there is still a lot of stigma that Mm -hmm. needs to be worked through. And then also, I'm not really sure how to say this, (laughs) but (laughs) I feel like, I feel like, um, hmm, there's a lot of people who have just gotten into it to try it without really, because we we don't really talk about the repercussions of it very yeah. much. And that's something that has really concerned me because I remember when I was younger, um, I didn't really think too much about the repercussions. And on the mm-hmm. one hand, I'm so thankful for this job, for everything it's given me. Like I wouldn't have been able to move out to California or get out of like my abusive relationships that I was in um, or be able to live on my own. So it's gotten me a lot of independence. And then on the other hand, all of this terrible stuff has <laughs> happened to me and it's hard to have a nuanced conversation with that to people without them being like, Oh my God, this whole trafficking, this needs yeah. to be shut down, you know? So it's, it's hard. I also feel like on the flip side, like the outside view of all these cam companies are any girl who wins a trophy is all like, this is my family, all this stuff. And for me, I never identified with that where I'm like, I don't think any of these campsites really care about any of these models. Like I've oh. never felt a sense of community on Chatterbait. Even though I'm wearing the free mini vids shit they gave me, I'm not like, it's a family, you know? Yeah, like, I just don't like understand that. Defenders in terms of how much it's sold out its models, you know? <laughs> See, like, there's a few things I really like about mini vids where you can just send your Venmo to people and they don't give a fuck. Oh, that's you can send your Venmo and cash up and mini vids view is they're like, well, you need to make money. So it's whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's like the only good thing I've been cool with them about. Also that they pay out 80% on camming is pretty cool. But... I don't I don't love any site that does like ranking or competition stuff same that's like because that's toxic to me and I think it goes into like what you're talking about where these sites don't really care about you I feel like any dynamic where sites are pitting people against each other is really bad because that already exists so much I I I also really resonate with there not being that much community um I feel like when I was doing my best in camming you know my early 20s was when people were the meanest to me (laughs) oh really yeah like when people really wanted to see me fall because that's when I had I mean this is like old lore at this point but anyone who's like been around the chatterbait community for a while knows that there were a group of people that were actively doxing and harassing me and stalking me and you know there's lots of that in camming um whether it's from like viewers or other performers um, that's just kind of a occupational hazard that I wasn't really prepared for. And there's not a lot of support for that. And for sure, there's some, there's some models who I've found will prey on that and use that as a way to kind of like bolster their own career, which is really shitty. <laughs> for real. I feel I've gone through multiple like death threats from camming. Yeah. I'm sure you had too. And it's just like, most of these sites won't even tell you where these people are located. No. So you can't even judge it as, is a safety thing? Like Cam 4 dropped the ball super hard for me because maybe five or six years ago. And 
basically I had to use my Twitter to finally get some lawyer to reach out to them to get some sort of response. And their initial response was, oh, we banned them, it's fine. And it's just like, you really can't say that. Where when I worked at King, down the hallway from where you would cam was the person who had all the information. And they would be like, no, this person's in Finland. We're gonna ban their IP. We're gonna handle that. Where I feel like so many campsites just don't really care about the models and don't wanna put the effort into, you know, dealing with what we're dealing with and kind of just write it off as, oh, well, just cam girl drama, you know? Yeah, and especially like, I mean, a lot of harassment of models happens off of the site too. Like some of my worst doxers and harassers like are on poll. They're on like 4chan and stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And that's yeah. serious. And I that's something I've really I've had a hard time getting people who aren't in this industry to understand. Like to be posted on 4chan and to have your, you know, your personal information and everything posted on there like that and to have people actively wishing you harm and to have no recourse and for that to happen for years and years that like damages you and for sure it's the people's response is like well then why'd you do it like this is your fault you know you tried to pick an easy job with easy money and you know now you have to deal with the consequences so (laughs) yeah it's such bullshit and I feel like it doesn't really respect the amount of emotional energy that goes into camming. And I feel like that's what people don't understand where obviously we're not in the same physical danger in our daily lives as a street sex worker. But I think emotionally putting yourself through these cam sessions, you know, five days a week indefinitely essentially. And, you know, a really bad cam day can really affect your mental health, even if you're in a good place. Just because I feel like it's so draining because you have people constantly lying to you and making up things and being like, oh yeah, I'm going to pay in a second and then just disappearing, you know? And like, it can really start to drain you down. How do you deal with that? I have a therapist who... (laughs) (laughs) Very lucky that I have a therapist who understands the intricacies of my job because, um, yeah, like you're saying, it is different from street-based sex work, right? We do, it's not that threats aren't there and that um our lives aren't necessarily in danger it's just it's it's different um Mm -hmm. so it can be again just really hard to understand the intersection in terms of like where it's similar to in-person forms of sex work and also where it's like completely different so my therapist really helps me with that and um I just I work a lot less now I don't I don't try to push myself um if, if things are bad, then I just take a break and just disconnect. And mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I don't try as hard as I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Um, so I moved in with my partner right before the pandemic. So I feel like when you don't live with a partner, at least I did, I was like, well, I'm going to hit the goal no matter what, you know, where I'm like, I'm just going to stay on indefinitely until I make this goal for the day. And it's just like, I think having someone else there where it's like, okay, I need to be kind of responsible as a person and not just sit on cam all day if, you know, it's a bad day. Or I feel like before I would definitely go into those habits. Did you kind of have that more before? Oh my God, yeah. It's emotional self-harm and you don't really think of it Mm -hmm. that way because it's like, well, again, this, this should be an easy job. Like I'm a content creator. People would be lucky to have this job. And you kind of gaslight yourself into tolerating a lot of 
um, unhealthy work habits and Mm -hmm. not nice people. So I've had to really get better about my own personal boundaries around that and just be like, no, this isn't okay. And just because I get to work from home and I get to be on a webcam, it doesn't mean that there aren't things that I need to be cognizant of and protect myself from. That's super real. I mean, I feel like these conversations literally just never happen because I feel like we never talk to other camp performers about this shit. I mean, honestly, it's hearing you say that. That's like so important. I never think of it that way, but you're right. Like it is a version of self-harm when you're having a bad day, you feel like shit and you're just like, okay, I need to make 60 more dollars before I get off. Even if it takes two, three hours. Yeah, no, it's not okay. And then it's like people feed off of your emotions when you're in that state too. Yeah, And they don't want to, help you they just want to take you down a couple notches because they think it's funny and it's like you can't you can't let yourself get there <laughs> I used to be For really sure. bad about that and I used to like I still argue with people and I'm like fuck you and fuck him too and fuck all you people but I'm <laughs> very good at using my finger and just banning people when they they start getting sassy with me and just logging off touching grass <laughs> <laughs> It's so real. It's so important. I feel like for me working at the armory just changed the way I cammed because before I was so much like, I want as many people in this room as possible. That's how you make money because that's kind of how these sites sell it to you. Where Kink Live was like, if someone's not in your room, they shouldn't be in your room if they're not paying you. So yeah. that changed my whole perspective. So now like when I cam, if I have, you know, 20 people in the room, that's fine as long as it's like people who are actively either about to pay or I'm figuring out if they're going to pay. And I try to do a really revolving door where I'm like, I don't want 50 people just masturbating right now because I feel like that just makes me be like, oh my God, this sucks. Yeah. Like if people really think they're doing you a favor by sitting there and staring at you. And I noticed lately, there's a lot of days when it's like the first hour and a half I'm just sitting there in silence and that's becoming something I'm having to really look at and um I have started pming people in my room and I'm like hey if you're not gonna tip can you talk and if they don't answer me I'm like okay bye (laughs) yeah yeah I do I think I'm more direct than most camels where I'm always just like oh what can I do for you today and then if they don't answer I'm always just like okay you can leave have a good day though that's interesting. See, I've never heard of other cam girls doing that. And that that's a really unique perspective. I feel like you're, you were really lucky to have that kink live experience where you learn that it's more important to have people who are actually contributing something worthwhile to your room than to just, you know, as opposed to just having people in there for the sake of having them in there. It really took a while to figure that out for me because, you know, on Chatterbait, when you're doing it, it's almost like half of their target is oh you need to get a lot of people in your room then you'll be on yes. the front page and you'll make more money yeah. so like I did entire like sex shows with my exes and stuff on there where it's like oh we're number one but we made like 40 bucks you yeah. know where when I first switched to kink live they're like oh yeah you might only have four people in your room and I was just like well how is their money then you know right yeah they really and chatterbait's great in terms of like the traffic that you can get and you can funnel that traffic into other places. That's how I get traffic into like my OnlyFans or other endeavors that I'm doing. So that part of it is really helpful, but yeah, there is, I'm noticing there's always been this huge push to have a lot of people in 
your room. And I think that's kind of what the whole site has devolved into now, where it's like, if you look on the homepage, it's just like all clickbait stuff. And it, it's, it's different from like when I first started where people watched cam girls because they liked a certain kind of like personality. And I hate phrasing it like this, cause it makes it sound like I'm like judging people and I'm not, but it's, <laughs> it's just different. It's like the, the interaction is not there anymore. Like the landscape of what camming is has shifted and I've really sure. had to fit with am I compatible with this new landscape and I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's I think this has been my best year camming but at the same time it's just changed a lot because I feel like I needed to make it change for me where it's just like yeah. how did you change it I think in part just raising my rates and just trying to be really direct with people and yeah like whenever people are like what are you into I'm like directness <laughs> because I feel like everyone on campsites are just so wishy-washy where they're like oh I'm really into this but I have two dollars and shit where I'm just like almost viewing it almost like an analytics thing now where I'm like if you've been to my room three times you're not gonna pay again you know yeah. so I'm really yeah. just trying to kind of view it like that and really believe in the system yeah. And doing it for like the last 10 years because I feel like both of us kind of know who's going to pay and who's going to not pay after the first, you know, five minutes in our room. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should switch sites too. That's been another thing on my mind. Like maybe I just shouldn't be on Chatterbait anymore. Maybe I should try other things. It's like I've tried Sext Panther too, and that doesn't really work for me. I have a problem where people just don't really want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also different being a trans woman because, like, I can only come once a day. So, like, I'm limited to that. So, it, like, kind of shifts it because, like, for cis women or people with vaginas, like, you can come multiple times. So, for me, one, once I come, I'm like, yeah. okay, my, sh my show is basically over. Because I'm like, if someone else comes back and they're like, this is what I want. Right. Oh, I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah. So it, it's almost like two, then it makes sense. It has like the price would have to be higher because it's a, it's a one and done kind of thing. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I can go twice a day, but I, I don't want to put my genitals through that. <laughs> yeah. It gets harder and harder, like I, just for for me as someone who has a vagina, like doing it once and then trying to do it a second time after that. It's like we're, it. we're, we're doing we're inflicting critical damage here. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, just like trying out different jam sites like um, so during the pandemic, this is a taboo thing that might get me in trouble on whatever site I was using it for. There was this thing called split where you could cam on four sites at once. It doesn't work anymore though, but I tried, I tried that early in the pandemic. I think it was just like some techies made it and they're like, oh, let's see if it works. And it kind of did, but you could also set it. So there was like five presets of what you would type. So it would be like, oh, welcome to my room. How are you? Is there anything I can do for you? all like the basic things you say hey, it's direct right <laughs> yeah so you would just like do the one of like the five keys and then it would send it to whatever campsite and would show all the campsites combined into one app so it would be users from every different site wow it was really great when it lasted How'd they get rid of it um I don't think there was funding for it because they were trying to get cam girls to pay a hundred dollars after the trial and there's no. no cam girl who's going to give you 
who's going to give a company a hundred dollars just to use their site? Uh, yeah, they, oh my God. Have you ever heard of cam models protection? No, I would love to though. Yeah, they do DMCA service stuff and they definitely price gouge. They're very good. But I, I, for the first few months I did their premium package because I had so much pirated content. Yeah. That was $500 a month, a month. Oh my, how? I don't know. I don't know. Who was running that scam? They're good at their jobs, but they also know who their clientele <laughs> is. So they're overcharging for sure. Um, but now I do their $269 a month one and it's still pretty good, but yeah, it sucks. I feel like all these services for cam girls, you have to pay extra for it and it's not fair. Yeah. I think, yeah, once I got involved with trouble films, I think I got most of my stuff taken down just because we have someone to do that. So it really helped, but you, you got in with all the good people. It, it worked out way better than I thought it would. I've just been fending for myself out here. I feel like a, <laughs> like a feral animal compared to you. <laughs> I, like I feel scrambling. very lucky that it all worked out. I don't know. Yeah, I was working at the armory and that was, it was kind of bad because they run it like, um, they're running it like a Silicon Valley company essentially. So you had all the perks and they're like, don't leave work. Just stay here. We have beds for you to sleep. Ah! And they were right next to the cam room. So like it was for all the cam girls. So it was alcohol. God. Yeah. Free alcohol. There's also a private chef there. There's a gym there. Wow. It was kind of an issue in a way, like in one way that's great and all, but also having all that stuff with sex everywhere and people hooking up and work hooking up. It's, was kind of a lot yeah but um especially as a young adult you know to oh yeah when I was 20 it was amazing though (laughs) like 21 you're like wait I don't have to go out to a bar and deal with like not porn people essentially and just be able to hook up with whoever yeah and they'll get it there's that mutual understanding it's a double-edged well no there's good there's good and bad to it but yeah I'm I'm happy it's not a thing anymore (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, so I was kind of immediately after my bad experiences with King. Oh, they also assume every trans woman's a dom. So that was a pretty big shock when I started working there where they're like, oh, Chelsea, you're a dom, right? And I'm like, not at all. And they're like, oh, well, never mind about all that work then. (gasps) So that's how I got involved in Trouble Films is Courtney and I worked together a few times before. So after that, I'm like, okay, I have all this idea of stuff to do. And obviously kink, they still don't shoot um, submissive trans women at all. Why? They had this idea that no one wants to see it, which is not true. So yeah, I don't you've know. You've done so well for yourself. And I think I've always only seen you in like submissive content. Yeah, that's all I do yeah. for the most part. And like random mainstream porn occasionally, but not so much anymore. But um, yeah, so I think a lot with just like the problem with kink is they were bringing in so many models for their kink live thing with maybe promises or just being like, oh, you can further your career here. And they're really not being that opportunities for a lot of people. And I think they were also really bringing in people, they were really recruiting. So they bring in like three of every type of person. So when I started, there were three trans women there were three blonde girls they brought in at the same time, three brunette girls they brought in at the same time. So it was very much like, oh, some of these aren't going to work out. Some of them will sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's like a very clear, you can clearly see that they're trying to cover all their bases. Yeah. It, it's it's <laughs> weird to see you're literally a quota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to be given opportunities, but only really narrow ones that fit in certain boxes. Yeah, it's, but then not also that's like how this industry is. And mm-hmm. I that sucks about this industry. And it's also something I'm very against. And I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to be put in a box. <laughs> yeah, I feel like so much about this industry is like overcoming all those expectations you're put into almost. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done such a good job of that. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Seriously. I love your content. Um, I really love your content. You just are that you're a cam girl who's continuously making cool stuff and continuously camming. It's just so cool to me. I think I've had probably 45 people on this podcast. I haven't had a full-time cam girl. So just having these conversations are so important because I don't think I've never heard a cam girl conversation like this before, you know? Yeah. I'm hopeful that more will start to happen at least like as people start to process their experiences and everything that they've been through with this job, because these conversations need to happen, not just so that we can advocate for ourselves better, but also so that we can protect people who are newer to this job, Mm -hmm. you know? For sure. So when you first started camming, what really made you realize that you wanted to do this long-term or did it just kind of naturally happen like that? It just kind of naturally happened. And I've tried other jobs and I have other jobs, you know, Um, but it's like every time I would take time away from it, I would kind of get this itch. (laughs) Yeah. So I always gravitated back towards it. So I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it really necessarily means that camming is a calling for me, but it's just something that is. I feel like there's definitely that fun of the hustle after you've been away for it from it for a minute. Yeah, the th- it's like a slot machine effect almost. I don't know. Oh my god, yeah. I feel like I never have fun in Vegas because I'm like, I could make this much on cam, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to come. It's great. I know. Have you? I'm going on your Twitter now, and I'm just looking at all of your beautiful. <laughs> here it's so uh, I just love it oh thanks yeah it's I'm really excited to get back on set it's been a while it's been pretty chaotic from the pandemic has your schedule been pretty fucked up since the pandemic or yeah I get on at different times but I don't I've never done like in person I mean I've you know I've cammed with other people and stuff but Mm -hmm. Um, I've never really done like professional style stuff. So I'm always really in awe of people who, especially like group scenes with like four people, four or five people. That's a lot. That's, I don't think people understand that, you know, (laughs) performing with that many people in a, in a sexual way, like that is a very serious skill and an art to be able to do that and to make something that's like jerk off worthy. So (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, I love doing group sex scenes, like, it's something I did really early in my career, I kind of don't know how it happened, where it was just, like, a lot of that stuff, and I think there's a really good community left now in the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. where I feel like, when were you here, did you see kind of the whole giant, like, queer porn wave here, were you here for that? I was there, I'm gonna get my years fucked up again, it would have been from 2016 until 
2020 I was there. So okay, so you probably caught some of it still. A little bit, but it took me a while to get out of my shell in the Bay Area because I was I that was one of that was my last abusive relationship that I was in and mm-hmm. then I broke up with that guy and moved to Oakland and then that was kind of like my spiritual and emotional awakening. So <laughs> I caught some of, you know, the bay area queerness but i don't think i got to experience the full extent of it like you do and like all my friends back there (laughs) currently in so jealous yeah we had like a multiple year overlap where i'm like oh my god i wish i knew you when we were both in oakland yeah yeah right um yeah i just feel like there was so much creativity going on and for a while there were people moving to oakland and sf to do porn which now is so surreal because there's such a small community here yeah because they all go to LA yeah or Vegas I think it's mostly Vegas now so I think it's such a different scene here now where it's just way more chill and people really don't have the kind of dream of becoming a porn star which I feel like when I first came here so many people here were directly moving to make it in porn yeah which doesn't exist here now because we only have two studios left we only have um Crash Pad, which is an SF, and then Trouble Films in Oakland. So I think it's just really different now. I think it's kind of more chill in a way, especially with like all the group scenes we've been able to do. Mm-hmm. have been all with our um, BDSM collectives. That's just four, four or five femmes, and we just do it all on our own terms. So Wow. So you found your community. Yeah, it's going really good. Aww. Yeah. Rent's awful here as always, but yeah. other than that, it's I think it's been really good. I think we found a little good scene here where everyone's on the same page, which I think is so hard sometimes in sex work. Yeah, I've had that too. Even in the best case scenarios, um, I feel like something happens. You can't always anticipate everything, even with like a lot of conversations. Sometimes things just come up and because of the nature of the work, it's really easy for something triggering to happen. And you're- For sure naked with somebody that you don't necessarily know super well and it's you know a business relationship but it's also a friendship and it's also a sexual relationship so it's hard it's hard to do that I I think it really is oh go ahead oh no go on um I was just gonna say I I have um a couple people that I'm still really good friends with that I've I've cammed with um yeah and we've had to have a lot of debriefing conversations that are still ongoing even after, you know. <laughs> Did you ever have um, a lot of success camming with other people? Because I never, it was so hit or miss for me all the time. It was hit or miss for me too. When I know when I was younger, I, I did really well with that stuff. But again, it was like, I also pushed myself and I also associated with people that were big boundary pushers and mm. They were like, you have to, you two have to do it this way. Uh, and you have to do this really hardcore stuff. And you have to force yourself to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, I did really well when we did that, but also it killed me inside after, you know, and I'm not friends with those people anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's just such a hard thing in porn where there's these like, whether it's a director or the head of a company who's like all these sex acts have to happen. I feel like it doesn't give any um, place for performers to have an off day or not feel up to something. 
Yeah. Or to even just like negotiate chemistry between Mm -hmm. two people on their own terms. That is so important to do. Yeah. I think that's, I've had a few direct, um, I had a former director and performer on here who actually talked about that, where they're like, I can't direct anymore because I can't put people in that position, which I can totally understand because even if it's not the directors who's like, this has to be in, they're getting pressured by the studio to say, we need all of this stuff in this movie or we can't release it, you know, because then it won't appeal. I just feel like it's such a hard thing. It is really hard. Has that happened to you a lot? Were you put in those situations? Um, a few with um, some of the mainstream porn I did. And so I did all my mainstream porn in New England, weirdly enough. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like all in like, um, I shot a movie on Martha's Vineyard, which was really weird. And then like Cape Cod. <laughs> And then like New England, I mean, New Hampshire. Yeah, really weird. The places you would never assume porn was happening, right? (laughs) Mainstream, I guess. It's like when I think of like where the most mainstream people would come from, it would be like, yeah, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we were shooting porn when like the Obamas were there and shit. It was so weird. That's amazing. Yeah, there's, um, there was like a whole lawsuit about it because they were shooting at someone's Airbnb. And then it was like exposed by the Boston Globe and the homeowner tried to sue. <gasps> I think they lost, but then they won the second case because they had like their paintings in the background of the porn. So they got like a copyright thing because of that. <laughs> so, so the porn stupid. doesn't exist anymore, but like, I'm sure it's on a tube site somewhere. Oh God. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation, (laughs) like Airbnb and sex work. But yeah, I remember I did a road trip with my, a best friend that I had in my early twenties when I was really active in camming Mm -hmm. and we would pick, you know, we would go to Airbnbs on the road trip and I would cam there. And we were always worried about that. Like somebody recognizing the Airbnb, Mm. um, so I did a lot. I remember to like take the pictures down and like do everything to make it look you know, not recognizable, but it, it's so dumb. It's just a job. Like who cares? Like someone's going to have sex in your Airbnb anyway. Right? What's the difference? Like there's a camera there. Who cares? <laughs> That's literally why people stay places is to have sex in different places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't do Airbnb anymore. I just, I, I don't either. Hotels. Yeah. Just same. Like, yeah. I feel like a hotel, like I feel like no employee there cares enough to be like, I saw this in porn. I need to report to somebody. No, no. Cause it's yeah. like they don't get paid enough to give a shit first. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had such a great time chatting with you. I have two questions left for you. Okay. So you've obviously been in camming for a decade now. What do you want to accomplish that you haven't so far in your career, whether it's camming or making clips or only fans, what's kind of keeping you going? What's keeping me going? What do I want to accomplish? I don't know what's keeping me going. (laughs) Um, I guess what's keeping me going is I need to finish school. um, And this job really works well with school. I would really like, you know, I'm hearing you talk about community and, you know, being in with a group of people to make content with and people who are like queer and not... Not normies. I need that. <laughs> I would love that. Um, I have to find that. I think that's my scene, and I don't think it's in New Jersey. I think that um, 
you know, this job has changed me for the better in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. um, I understand what it means to be on the fringe of society in a way that I wouldn't if I didn't do this job. Mm-hmm. And I'm really drawn to people who are like that. And I have a kinship now with people like that. And um, it's kind of given me like a template of like, who are the kind of friends that I want and where do I want to surround myself or who do I want to surround myself with? That makes sense. Totally. I also feel like that it got you out of such bad situations that you were in before. I feel like that's such a, I feel like the sex work, so many of our narratives and kind of our stories kind of get just like looked over like that where I feel like I look to a lot of times to like sports and stuff to be like, what would the narrative be with this where people are like, they'll really idealize someone getting out of their situation in life through sports or whatever. And I feel like sex work should be given the same thing because you got out of some bad situations from sex work. And I know where I would be in life right now would be drastically different if it wasn't for sex work. I don't know if I'd be alive right now, honestly, Mm -hmm. if it weren't for this job, as much as like, I, you know, have a lot of criticisms of it. And sometimes I think back of all the experiences I've been through and I feel like, fuck, (laughs) I'm permanently broken. It's Uh also, it's just, it's saved me in so many ways. It's, it's complicated, you know, it's for sure. um, Like anything in life you can't say it's good or bad. It's both. And yeah, I I do think that people should be celebrated for figuring out a way to pick themselves up and get themselves to safety. And we're not given credit for that. Yeah. I just really, if nothing else at this podcast just can provide some of those narratives. I think it's so important because even at like AVN and XBiz, it's not talked about like that, about really the stories behind how these people got to this point in their life. It's just like, oh, wow, they're the best at this. So we gave yeah. them an award. Well, cause it's, it's about, it's about sex appeal. And it's like, if you humanize us too much, then people can't maintain their boners. And that's something, that's another thing that I really try to, um, you know, push back on is mm-hmm. I want people to see me as a full person. I want people to look at me and be like, wow, that's really cool that she did that. And I wonder what other people's stories are you know I want people to get curious about sex workers I and and to be in awe of our stories and I think the way that we're going to do that is by talking about it and asking questions that matter I mean it's also Mm -hmm. like questions like um what's like your favorite fetish or like what's What's your your favorite favorite position yeah Yeah. position (laughs) those are fun too and I'm not knocking those but it's like I don't know. I think there's so much more to us than um, what our favorite sex position is. <laughs> yeah, honestly, with this whole podcast, I assumed it was mostly in the other performers or people interested to get into the industry, but it's really not been. It's been porn fans, which has oh, been really surprising because I'm like, most of the time we don't get to hear an hour of your favorite porn star speaking or like actually telling about who they are. Yeah. Where I think it's so important just to have at least one platform to give that because we usually aren't given anything like that no well thanks for having this podcast and for giving us an outlet to talk about yeah and that makes me so happy that porn fans listen to this like yeah I love that yeah it makes me really stoked and 
Also, you're the last podcast of um, season two, so it's even better. Ooh, so, closing yeah. it out. <laughs> I know. I need, I've done 45 podcasts in the last, like, year, so I need a few months off. <laughs> Is that your artwork, the camming artwork that's, like, liar? Remember Oh, that? no, my partner got that for me. Um, oh, you've seen it, I'm assuming? You sent it to me, the one where it says oh, liar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that yeah. one. Yeah, about men lying on campsites and mm-hmm. needing to be executed by a guillotine. You know, just casual. I have it right behind where I cam, so it's it really helps. So I have one more question. If you could magically change one thing in porn or camming or kind of online sex work, if you could change anything magically overnight, you wake up tomorrow, it's totally different. What would it be? I wish we had more access to safety resources. Like if someone's bothering us because of what mm-hmm. we do, I wish that there were some kind of lawyer association that understood the different intricacies of the you know the umbrella of sex work and took it seriously um i wish that campsites did more i would on their platforms and off their platforms too i just feel like um protecting us and keeping us safe is something that really needs to change because a lot of us regardless of what job we do we're just different degrees of safe, but none of us are totally safe. And that sucks. It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think if campsites had that themselves, like, I feel like they're starting to become, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it since you started. Like when we started the idea of performer mental health would, would have literally been laughed at by these companies. Oh my God. Yeah. Where now at least they're like, oh, there's this site you can reach out to. Oh, we're trying to do this thing. So it's like the illusion of trying to do something. Yeah, Chattermate finally implemented this thing where it's like, if you ban someone once and they try to, because I used to have this issue where people would just make a new account. Yeah, So now it's like if you ban that username, all the IP just gets banned. So you don't have to keep banning people because that was awful. I remember that dealing with that shit where it was just like people would just create like eight accounts in a row and it's just like don't you have a fucking life to do things other than just annoy me they don't (laughs) (laughs) so that's helpful but yeah there needs to be more (laughs) I think I totally agree like it's kind of amazing these sites don't have like a legal or safety department you know do that it's not like they're not making money they're yeah. getting 50 to 60% of whatever we're making. So yeah. Who cares if we die, right? There's someone else to replace us. That's extreme, but it's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn. That's a hot take. I think that's a pretty good way to end. <laughs> I mean, like as much as it is like a thing that is a positive thing, I think that is kind of how these campsites do view us that we are very disposable. And yeah. even like the girls who are winning the awards and shit, they're gonna be like, oh, well, we'll have another one in a few years. Yeah, someone who's younger and ah, that's a whole conversation. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can everyone find you on social media and everything? Um, let's see, let me pull that up. <laughs> my, my public Twitter is private right now. It's not coming unprivate. Um, <laughs> I always wanna retweet your cam shows, but then I'm like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I have a public facing Twitter. Um, my my other public Twitter got banned because I said Johnson and Johnson gets the guillotine. So I had to make Oh damn. <laughs> I'm hoping you did not get the Johnson Johnson shot. I didn't. I'm a Pfizer baddie. Oh, same, same. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, where is my Twitter account? Okay, so my public facing Twitter is Petite Prol. <laughs> and um, I'm on TikTok too. Um, oh, damn, you're doing that? Yeah, I really like TikTok. And I'll type it here. It's store brand Ho, but I had to <laughs> spell Ho differently because TikTok doesn't like bad words. So it's H E A U X. <laughs> yeah, the, the French spelling. <laughs> And then my chatterbait is e e e v e e. So I'm I'm a different person depending on, on the platform. <laughs> it's well, not thank easy. You so well, thank you so much. I had so much fun chatting with you. I feel like this is such an informative conversation on camming that I haven't heard anywhere else. So I think Aww. that's a really good thing. Thanks, Chelsea. I hope we get to hang out one day. That'd be super. Same. Cool. Hopefully, some future convention after the whole pandemic's open or something. Yeah. After we all went through trauma treatment for what yeah, we did. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, okay. all right. Bye, everyone. Bye.
Thank you.